Welcome to Behind the Warrior, a podcast presented by the EOD Warrior Foundation. This series will focus on resources, interviews, and topics impacting EOD warriors, their families, and the military community at large. Hello, everyone. This is Sherry Beck with Behind the Warrior Podcast. Today, I am speaking with Aaron Faith Allen, who is the operations director for a nonprofit called Purple Hearts Reunited. Aaron, welcome to Behind the Warrior Podcast. I am looking forward to this conversation with you. Hello, Sherry. Thank you so much for having us on today. Um, it's really a huge honor to speak with you. Um, and I'm delighted to share a little bit about our organization and our mission, which is to return lost or misplaced or stolen items of valor to our veterans and their families. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, well, I, I'm looking forward to hearing more about all of the important work that your organization does and your involvement in it. Um, first, tell us where you're from and, and if you have a connection to the military. Yes. Well, the organization itself is based out of Vermont, which is where it has been operating for the last decade. Uh, I personally am living in Texas. Uh, before that, I was in London. And before that, I was all over the States, mm -hmm. a little bit of a gypsy soul. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I do have a personal connection to the military, which is most definitely a uh, an inspiration mm -hmm. and a driving factor in my own passion for working with this organization. Uh, my father and uncle both served in the Vietnam War. Uh, both of my grandfathers and their brothers served in World War II. Um, and one of my grandfathers went on to serve in the Korean War and retired as a major. Uh, and then I, I also am a pretty big research geek, generally speaking, and have researched my own family tree back as far as I can. And I have multiple grandfathers who fought in the Civil War and, uh, of course, the Revolutionary War as well. Wow. So, I'm really passionate, generally speaking, about veterans' causes. Um, and I think my own background has a little bit to do with that. Yeah, it sounds like it. Well, you've got a rich history there. And how cool is it that you were able to um, research and find more in, more interesting things about your family and your lineage? <laughs> Very cool. Um, yeah, it's it's been amazing and enlightening in mm -hmm. many ways. Yeah, very neat. Um, at some point in time, I would love to do ancestry or something to that effect myself, but just haven't made it to that point. But um, it's very interesting to learn about your history. <laughs> yeah, it sure is, and it's uh, you know it's a rabbit hole you can't ever quite get out of. So. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair warning so, on that. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Well, I I. Um, did a little bit of, you know, research and poking around with Purple Hearts Reunited and also um, understand that you are a writer and a photographer, a videographer, in addition to, in addition to being such a meticulous researcher. Um, how has your creative nature contributed to you becoming, um, I guess, a researcher and ultimately the operations director for Purple Hearts Reunited? 
Oh gosh, that's a that's a great question, and it's it's a really long story. <laughs> so um, the the short version of it is uh, that I began researching in depth uh, World War II about a decade ago. Uh, it was a combined. Uh, I was I was insp- inspired by my grandfathers and wanting to know more about their service and the fact that I was living in England where. World War II is still very much present mm-hmm. um, in everyone's memory and sort of everywhere you go. So I I had always been fascinated and sort of took a leap and I began researching. And I did that by combing through archives and documents uh, related to the places that I would travel. And I would meet with um, historians and survivors uh, people who had lived through that time, veterans, and um, then I would bring it home and combine all the photographs I'd taken on all these trips with mixed media art. And um, it, my creativity led me into the research, but the research also led me into my creativity. Mm-hmm. So my my research approach is really multifaceted. Um and doing all of that dropped me deep into my love of research and, again, my passion for veterans' causes and a greater understanding of what happens when war occurs uh, in the family, not just the veteran, uh, as well as in the community. And um, one thing led to another, and I became a lot more serious about this becoming my life path and eventually cross paths with the founder of Purple Hearts Reunited. And uh, here I am. <laughs> right. Well, very cool. Um, well, I know that the organization was founded in 2012. And how did a nonprofit like this come to be? Um, you know, can you share the story of the founder um, and, and tell us a little bit of history about that? Uh, so the story of... Purple Hearts Reunited is really, really incredible. It was founded around a decade ago by Major Zachariah Fike, who was gifted a Purple Heart for Christmas. And when he received this Purple Heart, he turned it over and he saw the name engraved on the back. And he recognized immediately that this heart belonged to someone else. Because he was in service himself, he knew what the Purple Heart meant, and he felt a tug inside of himself that he wanted to learn more about this person who received this Purple Heart. And shortly thereafter, he deployed to Afghanistan, where he himself was wounded in combat. And upon his return from that tour, he picked that Purple Heart back up again and turned it over and saw the name on the back and decided he was going to learn about this person and bring this Purple Heart back to him or his family. And long story short, long beautiful story short, he ended up connecting with the family of the Purple Heart recipient, whose name was Corrado Piccoli. He had been killed in the Second World War. And Zach was able to find his sisters, who were still alive. And, um, you know, I, I 
it, it was a lot of work for him to find these people, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't something that he just, you know, did overnight. He went on quite a journey to learn about Corrado, find his family, contact them, convince them it wasn't a scam, <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> bring this Purple Heart home to them. And as you might imagine, it made a huge impact on Corrado Piccoli's sisters to have this heart come home and be brought home by this complete stranger. Like, who cares about things this much to do something like this, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, the story made the news and uh, people saw the impact that this had on this World War II veteran's family. And uh, they began sending items to Zach and asking for his help uh, to send them home. And so the foundation began. Wow. What an incredible story. Um, I, I read a little bit about it and, um, you were right. The sisters of, of the gentleman's purple heart, um, were a little bit very, well, suspicious. (laughs) And, um, and, uh, that certainly all turned around to probably a very long-lasting friendship um, once Zach was able to actually um, give them the Purple Heart of their brother. So, Absolutely, um, yeah. That's really, really cool. Um, I know that on the webpage, um, there's the tagline, Reunited with Dignity. Um, you know, do you have any more uh, words that could further explain that statement and and just about the mission itself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I can speak for everyone who is currently and, you know, who has ever been involved in our organization and the returns of these items when I say that we care very deeply for each veteran's story and we do whatever it takes to uh, learn about their service and to honor their service in our own way. And, um, you know, we have a wonderful team of researchers who help us do that, who help us tell the story. And when we call up a family, um, nine times out of 10, it's, it is the families that we speak to. Sometimes we do encounter uh, the veteran himself or herself, uh, but usually it is the families. And we just undertake the entire process with complete respect, mm-hmm. first of all, for the veteran's story and service and the understanding of the meaning behind the item that we are bringing home to them. It's very important to us. Right. Well, and, and I'm sure you may encounter families that may not truly understand what the meaning is behind uh, receiving a Purple Heart or any other memorabilia that you may return. Absolutely. That's very true. And we aspire to bring to them as much information as we can. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we are told I knew he had a purple heart, but I don't have any idea of what happened because he didn't talk about his service. Mm -hmm. It's very, 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 very common. Mm -hmm. And we really love to provide families with answers. It's a huge part of what we do. For us, it is not just about an item, a purple heart or a bronze star or a mess kit or a pair of dog tags. It's about what this person 
went through and what they put on the line and how they did it for their country. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we, we really do delight in bringing this information home to families as well as the item itself. Sure. It's, it seems to take on sort of a personal meaning for, for you as well, you know, um, and, and the dedication there of, of not only you, but the team of volunteers or the team of staff that you have that, that dig in and research these items and try to find their home. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I've, I've um, had a few occasions where uh, I go back to our researchers and let them know, like, hey, I did connect with this family and here's what they had to say about it. And our researchers cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they cry tears of joy because they know that the time that they dedicated, uh, our researchers are volunteer researchers. Mm-hmm. So these are people who are equally passionate and who are professional researchers who are incredibly diligent and devote their spare time to bringing answers to families. And when they know that their labor of love has truly met its ultimate destination in being, you know, informing families of their veterans sacrifice and how that happened and who they were with. um, They, they cry. Mm-hmm. We all cry. You're we right. just cry a lot. <laughs> well, and you know, I mean, it's, um, I don't know what an honor, you know, to, to reunite family members with something that's so precious of, of one of their loved ones that you guys found or w- was sent to you. Um, I want to skip down and, and kind of ask that question about where do a lot of your items come from, Erin? So they come from everywhere. Um, first of all, when people find items out in the world in antique stores or by the side of the road, et cetera, um, and they decide, much like Major Fike did when he received Corrado Piccoli's Purple Heart so many years ago, when they see that name and they decide, wait a second, this belongs somewhere else this needs a home, this belongs with the veteran or with the family. Um, And they Google any, you know, type of phrasing around that, like, what do I do if if I find a Purple Heart, et cetera. Uh, They find our website and then they send us the items. So we receive multiple items every single week with people saying, hey, I found this. Uh, One was found in a Broadway theater, for example. Mm. One, there has been a dog that dug up a purple heart in a backyard at one point. Um, people send these things to us and then we, we begin to take them through the process. People mm-hmm. find them also in antique stores, thrift shops. Uh, we have a lot of cases where a, a woman would be married to somebody who was serving in World War II and he would be killed in action. And so she would be the recipient of his posthumous Purple Heart Mm -hmm. and other items that would have been sent to her upon his death. And she would then tuck them away, you know, in her top drawer or in a shoebox in the attic and remarry, have children, carry on with her life. And then at the time of her death, her children with her new husband will find the items and again, feel that tug. This item belongs to someone else and they'll send those to us Mm -hmm. um, for us to find the veterans 
bloodline, his sister's children or um, brother's children, things like that. I've seen that actually a lot recently. Mm -hmm. Um, And those are some of the places that the items come from, but it's, it's unlimited. They've been found everywhere. (laughs) Sure. Sure. I I can only imagine. Um, Can you, can you, you talked a little bit about, um, you know, receiving items and that sort of thing, but can you walk us through what that process looks like upon the receipt of an item? Um, Describe what it feels like to hold that precious piece of history in your hands. Um, Yeah, it really, it is an amazing thing to hold these items in our hands. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge history geek. I always have been, and I feel the impact of the stories behind these items. I definitely, uh, all of us, obviously at, at Purple Hearts Reunited, we understand that it's not just an item. It's a representation of a human life, somebody who lived, breathed loved, was loved, and was, you know, literally shed their blood with, in the case of a Purple Heart Mm -hmm. for the country. And so that story starts to um, want to make itself known, you know, the moment we have these items and and we're holding them in our hands and they arrive at the office and they're, they are logged and assigned to a researcher. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's literally the path it takes. We unbox them, hold them in our hands, write down the name of the veteran. The veteran is then sent to a researcher who undertakes the process of verifying service and finding as much information as we possibly can, such as you know his unit, when he enlisted, where he served in the case of a purple heart, we verify the wound date, we or or if he was killed in action as well. And then we begin the process of seeking the family. So our researchers begin to trace his family tree essentially and uh, seek out living next of kin. And at that point, the case is given back over to me. And I began calling people, <laughs> which and is an adventure in and of itself. <laughs> I am sure. I'm sure you have some wonderful stories about that. But um, also, you know, I, I would imagine it's a little nerve-wracking for you to make those phone calls, too. It can be. I mean, really, most people these days are on alert for scams. Mm-hmm. Um, and rightly so. Uh, so, I often... Um, you know, people are suspicious <laughs> and I know that we are legit. So, uh, you know, I'm, I stand firm in, in that and, uh, people usually come around. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I've been yelled at. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, but it's, it's always, it always is the end goal. The mm-hmm. end goal is to bring home this healing moment to families and, we have such a huge impact in the nature of this work that we just keep our eyes focused on that and keep making those phone calls. Sure, sure. Um, well, have you, um, I know you said you typically receive a few items a week. Um, do you still have items 
that have not been returned? And, and if so, how do you preserve those? We, we do have items. Um, we return as many as we can. Um, and at the same time, we receive that many every week. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we are constantly working to return the items. They are kept in a safe place and they are well cared for and respected, mm-hmm. um, you know, in their, while they're in the sort of holding process. Sure. Okay. And um, in reference to your research team, um, you mentioned they're all volunteer. Um, what kind of special qualities does a researcher um, have to possess besides just the meticulousness of, you know, research? <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's really, it's really about a devotion to the service of being of service to those who have served uh, really, I think is a underlying quality that all of us who work at PHR share. Uh, And obviously meticulous research is a skill set in and of itself. Um, But I think ultimately it's about wanting to make a difference. And again, you know, our researchers, they're doing it for the same reason that, we pick up the phone and make phone calls. You know, it's the end result of healing and closure and the incredibly powerful impact these items have on a family when they come home. That's what we all share and that's what drives us forward. Right, right. Well, it's beautiful. Um, I, am, I am quite certain that each experience has its own special meaning. Um attached to it, but do you have a story or two that you would like to share uh, with us about um, an experience that stands out for you? And um, I'm sure it's very difficult to pick one or two, but if you have that, that would be really cool to hear. You know, I could talk to you all day, every day for like the next three years (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) about the amazing stories that we have had the blessing to encounter Um, there are several, uh, that I could tell you, um, I am working with a story currently, um, that is a really wonderful illustration of the impact these items have when they come home. I know that's a sentence I keep repeating Mm -hmm. through this conversation, the impact the items have. And there's a reason I'm repeating it (laughs) because it's so real. It's such a loaded sentence. Uh, so, so I have an incredible story that perfectly illustrates the impact that these items have when a family welcomes them home with open arms. It's almost like these items have a life of their own and a message they're wanting to bring into the family. And I know that sounds a little, you know, out there, but when you see it over and over again, you really start to believe it. Um, so, about two or three months ago, we brought home to a great nephew in Texas, the purple heart that had been awarded posthumously to his great uncle, whose name was Edward Ryan. Edward Ryan was killed in action in World War II. He uh, was a part of this thrust into Germany and was actually killed uh, on his second day in combat, which is really sad. Mm -hmm. So we 
had his Purple Heart listed on our Lost Hearts database, which is something that we have on our website where families can come and register their loved one's name and uh, somebody who had been a recipient of the, of the Purple Heart. And the Purple Heart has fallen out of the family, but the family knows it's out there. And so they're registering it on our database in the hopes that if somebody finds that heart, Googles that name, they'll be led to our database and be able to connect with the family to give it back to them. Cool. So Edward Ryan's name was on that database because his great nephew placed it there about two and a half years ago. And I received a phone call one evening from someone saying, hi, I have just found a purple heart in this old tackle box of my father's. And I want to connect with the family. I see it on your Lost Hearts database. So we were really excited about this. And we undertook the research that was necessary to verify that this Edward Ryan on this gentleman's purple heart that he just found in his father's tackle box is the purple heart that in fact belonged to the family who listed it on our database. (laughs) That's a mouthful. I hope, I hope that made sense. Um, So we were, we were really excited. All of it matched up. It was a match and we were able to contact Edward Ryan's great nephew and say, Hey, (laughs) Remember two and a half years ago when you just listed your great uncle's purple heart? Guess what? Someone has it. Wow. So that was an incredible moment in and of itself. We brought the purple heart to him at his home in uh, Houston, Texas. And it was a really wonderful ceremony. And he was really super happy. He shared that he knew very little about his great uncle Edward's service. But the one thing he did know that he was able to find that we had also found in our research was that there were actually two other men involved in this story. That two men were awarded the Silver Star for trying to save Edward's life. Mm. And we found uh, the citations for these men and began to build a bigger story. So Edward Ryan's nephew said to us, this is really a story of three men. This is not just about Edward Ryan. This is about the two men who tried to save him as well. They're a part of this story. And so we kind of put our heads together and decided to dig a little bit more into the story and do what we could. In the meantime... This news story about the return of Edward Ryan's Purple Heart to his family made the news in Minnesota, where Edward Ryan was from. And a man was standing in his kitchen, like chopping carrots or something for dinner, and the news was on, and it was running the story. And he heard the name, and something about it all sounded really familiar. And he thought, oh my gosh, I think I have Edward Ryan's photo album that I bought in a thrift store 20 years ago. So he goes to his man cave and he pulls out this photo album. And lo and behold, it is Edward Ryan's photo album. So he contacts the news and he says, hey, I have this guy's, you know, there are a whole bunch of letters and photos and things in this album. Mm -hmm. So long story short, Edward's 
nephew and myself flew to Minnesota together to collect this album that this gentleman was now giving to the family. So now they have his purple heart has come home. I'm getting chills again, (laughs) telling the story. His purple heart has come home and now this album has come home. So this album is actually a compilation of letters and photographs that Edward's girlfriend put together. So it was all of his letters that he sent to her while he was in training and right in the moments leading up to, you know, going into combat and then being killed. Mm -hmm. So it's love letters. It's really this beautiful album full of their hopes and dreams that they built together, that they were going to live when he returned from the war. And there are photographs of him. The family had no photographs of him up to this point. So now Edward's nephew is holding love letters, intimate, beautiful, heart-wrenching love letters Mm. (laughs) and photographs of this great uncle who three months ago was just, you know, somebody he was curious about, a name, uh, his grandmother's brother who was killed in World War II. Um, The story, believe it or not, just keeps, it continues and continues. Every single person who is involved in this story has their own story. So we have contacted the girlfriend's whose name was Dorothy. Mm -hmm. We have found her daughter and have connected with her daughter who is now a part of a contributing member of this big, beautiful story. We have found and contacted the two men who were trying to save Edward. And one of them was killed. He died as a result of the wounds he received trying to save Edward. Mm -hmm. The other man, he was shot in the face trying to save Edward and he carried visible scars of that through the rest of his life. And we have also connected with his family. And so what began as one purple heart (laughs) Mm -hmm. being found in a tackle box has turned into this really beautiful story coming in from multiple directions of people because every single family member carries a piece of the puzzle. When I contacted PFC Kane's nephew, PFC Kane is the man who died as a result of his wounds trying Mm -hmm. to save Edward. He knew very much that his uncle had been killed as a result of trying to save someone in World War II, but he had no idea that he had been awarded the silver star for that action or had a purple heart. And um, so he was just completely blown away to hear the whole story. And then he was able to share pieces of his uncle's story that fit the puzzle together that then gave Edward Ryan's nephew more information about his uncle. And the story goes on and on and on. I could really tell you, I could talk for days about it. Mm -hmm. The end point here is that over Veterans Day week, Purple Hearts Reunited is going to be in New York City, and we are going to be returning the items of multiple veterans to their family members in the area. And one of the things we are doing is bringing together Edward Ryan's great nephew, PFC Kane's nephew, and um, potentially Lieutenant Carr's 
family, his wife and his daughter, who uh, are trying to meet with us. And we're going to all come together and we're going to honor the three men together for their service and their sacrifice. And it has had an incredible impact on each of these families to have this story kind of come back to life, have these men remembered and have their stories told and honored, you know, brought out into the light. These men, two of them died 76 years ago. The other man carried these scars through the rest of his life. He is now deceased, Mm -hmm. but they're still remembered. They still matter. And it means so much to these families to remember them. Sure. (laughs) There's just no other way to say it. Right. Um, Wow. What a beautiful story and and journey. Um, And it's amazing to me how uh, small the world gets (laughs) once you start trying to connect dots and reaching out to people. Um, I can only imagine how incredible this must feel for the family to have some level of closure and also the knowledge and and knowing that the service that their loved ones did for our military matters, even 76 years later. So, I mean, how it's just incredible. Um, And thank you for the lovely work that you guys do. Well, it's truly an honor for us. You know, it, it's definitely feel good work, but we do it to be of service mm-hmm. to right. those who have served, period. Right. And um, it's, it is a blessing mm-hmm. daily to encounter these veterans and their memory and tell their stories. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, well, um, have, you, have you received... Uh, any items that are are not well it's not a purple heart or a silver star or an actual military medal have you have you gotten any maybe one off items that are interesting and have a story absolutely um gosh i we have a photo album of 97 photographs of a man who again served in world war 2 um that we will be sending home and that's incredible because it's 97 moments in a family's father's life wow. that are frozen on paper <laughs> wow. that are of his training and his service that somehow fell out of the family and is going to be coming home. And I put myself in their shoes and I think about what it would mean to me to receive a photo album of my father or grandfather's service. Um, and it just blows my mind mm-hmm. uh, to turn each of those pages and see those little capsules of frozen time. Right. Um, so that is something that's interesting. We we do receive uh, dog tags. Um, we have returned dog tags, a lot of them recently, actually. And we don't just have World War II items. It does seem to probably be the highest percentage of what we have. And I Mm -hmm. think that's probably due to the amount of time that's passed between now and the war. But we do have um, just items from every conflict, really. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Even, I mean, as early as um, 
Operation Enduring Freedom and and uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom too. We do have some items that have come to us from those conflicts. Mm-hmm. Again, it seems to be that most most of the items are World War II. Uh, we do receive World War One items. Uh, last mm-hmm. month, um, we were in Virginia and Maryland and Washington D.C., and we did return a number of World War One items. Um, interestingly. A member of the Rainbow Division from World War One, we were sent his um, dog tags and also a crucifix that it was three crucifixes attached to the dog tag. So it seemed that he wore it around his neck potentially while he was in combat. And that's something that's so de- deeply personal. It takes a military item one step further and gives it a personality you know that this was a man of faith and potentially his faith carried him through combat which is what so many of our veterans share with us so at that point it starts to take on an even deeper dimension um for me personally i i tend to want to read a little bit further beyond the service and into the man himself. Sure. Um, that's something that's really important. And it is to all of us. I mean, that's why we do what we do. And you know, that's why our researchers cry when they hear that the item went home, mm-hmm. you know, because they become attached to the story of, of the veteran as right. well as just the veteran service, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, there's a human being there, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I can, I can definitely see that. Um, well, Aaron, um, I appreciate you sharing some of those stories with us. And I know that our listeners will be, um, you know, just intrigued by it all. But um, how can someone learn more about Purple Hearts Reunited? Well, we have a really wonderful website, uh, purpleheartsreunited.org, which tells a lot of our stories uh, and certainly the story of how Purple Purple Hearts Reunited was founded. Mm -hmm. Um, Our Facebook page is very active. We are constantly updating weekly. We post stories of our latest returns and the families and uh, the veterans themselves. And that's the best way to stay up to date with what we're doing Mm -hmm. and how we do it and why we do it. Okay. And do you have any need for additional volunteers or, you know, if if someone was interested in helping, could they get involved with your organization? Absolutely. Uh, We do receive volunteers. We're always happy to do that. So if somebody is interested in learning more about that, they can uh, reach out to us through the email address on our website and we can point them in the right direction. Mm Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, I also understand that, you know, your researchers are volunteers, but there is a level of administrative costs and um, probably some staff salaries and and different things that that need to be considered. Um, And so how do you guys go about fundraising? And if someone wanted to donate, would they just go to your website to contribute or what's the best way for them to do that? 
We absolutely would love to receive support in this way. And the best way to do that is to go to our website and there is an option to donate through our website or you can uh, do it the old fashioned way and send a check Mm -hmm. over to the address on our website. And every single penny goes straight into bringing these items home. There is cost involved. And we are lucky enough to be supported by American Airlines who helps us travel and bring these items home. And uh, it would be really amazing to also connect with a company who had the ability to help us out with hotel rooms or rental cars while we're out on the road doing our mission. And um, of course, uh, financial donation support is really welcome and necessary as well. Absolutely. I mean, that's wonderful that you have um, support from American Airlines. And I I hope if anyone is out there listening that is connected with either um, a hotel or rental car organization or anything like that, that could be of some level of support to Purple Hearts Reunited, that you will reach out directly to them. Um, It it takes money to to do all of these things. And um, in the nonprofit world, we're all competing for, you know, the same dollars. And um, so everyone's mission is important. And hopefully through this podcast, you will you will get some new followers and uh, new new contributors to your organization, Aaron, and um, to continue the, the wonderful and beautiful work that you guys are all doing there. It's it's just incredible. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, do you guys have any plans for the future? Do you have anything exciting that's happening? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes, yes, and yes. Okay. Um, so, as I mentioned, we will be going to New York uh, over Veterans Day week. So, that's just a few weeks from now as we're talking. Mm-hmm. And we will be doing a series of returns to area families and there are some really incredible stories that will be emerging through that time uh so we're really looking forward to that and then you know we're always kind of joking around amongst ourselves about how we just you know we should have a reality show because people would be blown away Mm -hmm. if they could see what we see again the impact on the families and the lengths we really go to behind the scenes to make sure these items go home. And although we're joking, we're kind of not joking Uh (laughs) at the same time. Mm -hmm. I think it would be a really, really fun thing for us to be able to bring these veterans to life, you know, not just for ourselves and the families and anyone who happens to come across the story we post, uh, but to really, honor these veterans in the biggest way possible, which Mm -hmm. is to get them more exposure, you know, tell these incredible stories of these men and women who do everything they can literally put their lives on the line for the country. So it would be really amazing for us if we were able to achieve that. And aside from that, we are just going to keep doing what we do and bring these items home and connect with families and, um, you know, we've been going for 10 years, so here's to 10 more. Yeah, exactly. Well, I have no doubt that um, you will still be going strong 10 years from now. Um, and, you know, talking about the reality show, uh, you know, it's, it's like you said, jokingly. However, uh, 
these are such feel-good stories, you know? I mean, there's there's such a level of emotion attached to them, but in the end, I, there has to be just, I, I don't know, I, I could see this being, yeah, just a series of feel-good stories and, and people doing the right thing for the right reasons. And uh, I, I think it would be incredible. I would watch it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. You know, I have to say, you know, we, we travel the country and we meet all kinds of people from all walks of life doing what we do. We are welcomed into people's homes. We spend time chatting with them on the phone before and after we go there. We become pretty close with some of these families that we work with, again, from all walks of life. And for for me, it's really underscored the common humanity that we have in an era when we're kind of shown the opposite mm-hmm. in every way possible. Um, people are good. <laughs> yes. People, you know, love to help and be a part of something that is bigger than themselves and uh, it's it's really, really, really important for all of us to remember that. And I see it every single day in my work. And I feel really blessed for that reason, that I am constantly mingling with people from every possible dynamic demographic walk of life. And people are people. And it's it's just beautiful to connect with that aspect of humanity. Yeah. I can I can definitely see that, and you know the different like everyone's story is different. I'm sure that you know um, you haven't come across something that is like, oh, this was just like you know um, Sergeant First Class so and so. It's like no, this story's different. <laughs> so um, the definitely. level of interest that you, that you know um, continues to peak, and and you know, you just continue to engage and dig deeper to learn more is, uh, is incredible. It really is. And, um, you know, such a, such an honorable way to, um, serve. Yeah. Yeah. We're pretty blessed. Yeah, for sure. I can, I can definitely see that and feel it in, in just talking with you. Um, well, before we go, Erin, I would love to talk about some of your favorite things. I do this with every guest and, um, I just, um, came up with a few, few questions. So do you have a a favorite quote out there that you love? Yes, you know, I do. I, um, spend a lot of time, obviously, with our veterans and their histories. And over the last few months with a a separate research project and a separate group of veterans that I'm working on, I came into contact with a veteran from World War II's possessions through his family. So I was looking through this collection of things of his and over and over again, there were little clippings, um, tiny little newspaper clippings that had the phrase, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Mm-hmm. So this veteran clearly resonated with that quote mm-hmm. <laughs> because he clipped it out of everything everywhere. Cool. And uh, when I saw that, I felt a connection with that. And I've been carrying it with me um, into every day. 
And I find it very deeply inspiring. It's from a poem called Invictus. And I can't remember the man who wrote it. I can't remember his name. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's from a really beautiful poem about just basically overcoming and having fortitude and walking through life with your head held high, remembering that you're in charge of each moment of your life. You know, make good choices and uh, direct your own fate. Awesome. I love it. Um, how about a favorite style of music or a favorite song? I have a zillion favorite songs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a song I. for every mm-hmm. moment and every mood. Uh, but I really do love good old-fashioned country and bluegrass. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, I find that it, it resonates for me uh, deeply right now. So um, I spend a lot of time listening to that. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I, I love, we have a, a local country station here that does the, um, what they call like the golden oldies or something or classic country or what have you. And when I need a break from, um, I don't know, just modern day music, if you will, I, I tune that in and I love it. You know, um, Merle Haggard and um, Patsy Klein and all those folks are just, yeah. Incredible artists. <laughs> yeah, there's like a real simplicity of life that I feel like I drop into when I listen to that music. It's yeah. just like back to the basics. I agree. It, it takes yeah. me back to, you know, my childhood too, I think, and uh, growing up with that, that style of music with my mom and dad and, and all that too. So it's, it's, a, good, it's a good thing. Um, very therapeutic. <laughs> agree. <laughs> All right. So I know you're a photographer. So what is your favorite thing to take a picture of? Well, I hate to be predictable, but (laughs) it's uh, definitely places that I travel that are related to the research Mm -hmm. and the projects that I undertake. So um, I've been to multiple concentration camps, battlefields, massacre sites, um, in major cities of conflict in Europe. And I love to photograph those places and mm-hmm. capture whatever is still existent in them from days gone by. Right. Well, photographs tell the story too, right? I yeah, mean, it's just definitely. another another medium to capture a, a story. Do you have a favorite food? I love barbecue because how could I not living in Texas right um it's it surrounds me daily so Mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of barbecue and I love Tex-Mex okay nothing like a cheesy burrito to get me going (laughs) there you go sounds good um and um because you love history so much is there a favorite era that you like to explore the most yeah, so I seem to be really sucked down the World War II rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that started with my grandfathers and wanting to know more about their service. And then I I spent years reading about the German uh, psyche and the rise of fascism mm-hmm. following the First World War. Uh, obviously, the big question is how did that all happen? Um so that's probably my number one area of fascination mm-hmm. for sure. World War II with the focus on how do big, huge wars start right. and the fallout from all of that on the people who live through it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. 
Very interesting. I'm sure through your research um, of your, you know, um, your ancestors and that sort of thing, you probably found some interesting tidbits about your your grandfathers and those that served in the military. Do you have one that stands out to you? Oh, well, I'm in the process of trying to learn more about my grandmother's stepfather, who family story says was uh, worked graves registration on Iwo Jima. And yeah. And uh, so I'm in the middle of trying to uncover that. But honestly, Sherry, I kind of neglect my own family. Mm -hmm. Sure. (laughs) And so that I can focus on others. And um, that's just the way it is for now. But a big dream of mine is to trace my grandfather's footsteps through the Pacific War. He fought in the Aleutians and uh, then he fought in the islands as well. And he was an infantryman and the war left numerous scars on him Mm -hmm. and I would like to understand that more so that's on my bucket list okay well I hope that you get to achieve that at some point in time and for now I mean you as I said before earlier that um, you and your staff are doing incredible work and you know giving peace and honor and um, just what a beautiful story Uh, each one of them is a beautiful story and I will absolutely be on the lookout uh, on your Facebook page for um, the November 11th Veterans Day reuniting um, you know those three families together and you guys placing the precious you know medals and memorabilia that you have found for their family members who had served our country. So um, thank you for the incredible work you're doing, Erin. It has been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much, Sherry. And I just, you know, I I want to give a, you know, final nod of respect in this conversation to Corrado Piccoli for his service and sacrifice because, you know, wherever he is right now, um, his sacrifice is actually what Zach Fike listened to and uh, founded this whole organization upon. So, you know, we are only able to do what we are doing because of Corrado Piccoli and his Purple Heart and uh, Major Fike listening to his impulse to bring that heart home to mm-hmm. where it belonged. Yes. Well, thank you for that, and um, thank you for your time today, Erin. It's been been a lot of fun, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to our Behind the Warrior podcast. This series is provided to you by the EOD Warrior Foundation. To learn more, please visit us on Facebook or at eodwarriorfoundation.org. And don't forget to tell a friend.